0: PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
0: J.P. McNamara on C103.
2: And good morning to you on this beautiful Friday morning across Cork. Hopefully, the sun is shining where you are, and it's due to continue across the day. As it says, just some showers, but a nice day today. And even though we might not have the sunshine right across the weekend, temperatures are going to increase, maybe up to 24 degrees Celsius cooler on the coast, but it's going to average between 18 and 24 degrees for the next few days. You may have a few showers, though, across the weekend, but apart from that, it's going to be nice, it's going to be warm, and I'm sure we'll get over. Over the odd few showers if the temperatures remain as high as they do. Anyhow, good morning to you. Lines are open. 1850 333 103 or indeed you can text WhatsApp 086 You can email jp at c103.ie or tweet this morning at c103 Cork. Ahead on the show, we're going to hear why there's another call for minimum unit pricing on alcohol to be introduced in Ireland. Your viewers are welcome on this. Uh, the reason it's been spoken about again It follows the introduction of this in Scotland, and it happened in the last year in Scotland. And since then, the Scots have noticed and they've seen a drop in sales towards alcohol and indeed a drop in behaviour following the intake of alcohol. That behaviour is what we see on our streets. Uh, We often hear the bad news that follows the intake of alcohol and the results of what happens on a night out. Well, they have seen a reduction of that in Scotland. So with what has happened in Scotland and with Ireland looking towards the Scots on how the first year went for them with minimum unit pricing, uh, there is now a... Call again to reintroduce to introduce this into this particular country. Very shortly discussing that with Alcohol Action Ireland. Your viewers are welcome on that, on basically the reduction of cheap alcohol that is available here in this country. You can let us know your thoughts. 1850-333103 or indeed text of WhatsApp 086-2103-103. And today is Shine a Light for Carers Day. And they're choosing today. Which is the 21st of June uh, The longest day of the year As we all know With the good weather We'll hopefully have a, a nice Long evening here in Cork But the reason they choose today Is because it shows The long hours carers do And these carers are at home Looking after their mother Their father Brother or sister Daughter or son and their life is dedicated to that particular person. Now with home health being tougher to access, and also respite now becoming a problem as well for many, many of these people have put their own lives on hold. Research recently that has come out from UCD shows the fact that carers, a lot of them, are feeling depressed, down, suffer from anxiety, because they basically don't get to mix with their friends, they don't get time to go out and that's all because they're working so hard, they're caring for their loved one, they're spending the majority of time in the particular home or around the home but they don't have time for themselves because of the care that loved one may need. So discussing that this morning and I suppose we always hear the access to carers and the person that a carer is caring for and what they require but a lot of the time we don't hear about the actual carer themselves. So discussing that on this morning's show and why... Family Carers Ireland have decided to up the ante with this particular day, Carers Day, and the Shine a Light campaign, which has been held today. Usually uh, this was done on a smaller scale, usually in Dublin. It's nationwide and we'll hear why with Catherine Cox, who will join us from Family Carers Ireland. We're also going to hear why the Green Party want to reintroduce towing in Cork. And this is the deal with illegal parking now. Whether you're in a county town or indeed you're in the city, I'm sure everybody uh, from time to time sees uh, illegal parking going on. What's happening now, is, especially in the city areas, is because on Sundays there is no enforcement in parking. You can park your car anywhere for free. No ticketing or or no disc parking is in operation on Sundays. But because of that, parking on the streets is busier. And then when people can't get parking, uh, they just abandon the car. They'll park in the corner of a street uh, and some are parking on cycle lanes. And recently, there's been a lot of photos circling on Instagram, on Facebook and on Twitter of people who were just abandoning their cars on cycle lanes. And that is causing much frustration to those who use those particular cycle lanes. So there's a call now for towing to be reintroduced back into Cork. And this would have a knock-on effect as well, I'm sure, in time then for county towns where legal parking continues as well. And I know a lot of towns have the pay parking, but still in towns that don't have that or in areas that don't have that, there is also problems when it comes to park. And what's happening in a lot of areas is people parking in housing estates and maybe getting a bus to their workplace and deciding to park in a housing estate if it's near their workplace, and this could be anywhere in Cork, and the people who are living in that house then, uh, they can often find themselves without a car space because the person has parked in their spot in the estate or cars are left there uh, for a number of days. If people decide to go somewhere with work, they park their car, they know it's going to be safe there, but it won't cost them anything. So there's a number of issues to do with illegal parking. Your viewers are welcome on that and would you welcome towing? and clamping to be reintroduced back into Cork when it comes to public parking anyhow and street parking. Your views are welcome, 1850 333 And I'd love to know how many people have switched from diesel or petrol and gone to electric by the way of driving a car. Well, we had a lot of talk during the week about that. And this was due to the government, of course, who launched their climate action plan. And actually, they are in Cork today for a town hall meeting on that. Uh, but the one thing is, People who have gone electric are finding it hard to charge their cars. Charging points not working or if they are working, they're too slow or there's a fault with them. People have to go to nearby towns because the one or the charging point in their town isn't working or maybe it's been used up. Anyhow, uh, we're going to speak to someone who's had that problem over the last week. and It's been resolved since, but just to talk about the problems they face when and after they purchase an electric car. Uh, So if you have done so, let us know. Or are you thinking or would you be persuaded uh, to go electric In about 10 or 15 years' time, we'll all have to do with it. But in the meantime, while people consider this, what are we up against? And have we the infrastructure? It looks like we don't at the moment here in Cork. Anyhow, uh, your views are welcome on that. 1850 333 103. And a lot of talk over the last number of, especially the last two or three years here in Munster and in Cork. Because if you go to any scenic place in Cork during the summer, at some point or another, you will see TV and camera crews and they're filming. Uh, for either an Irish TV station or a foreign channel or then the most popular one is the Young Offenders series which is currently filming in the city and because filming is becoming a big thing in the last number of years especially here in the Munster area I know there's a the talks of a, a big studio uh, going to be set up in Limerick and more studios in and around Cork and more filming and using Cork as a destination uh, for movies for short films and that type of thing well if you are interested in becoming a filmmaker and your age between 14 and 18 years old there's a summer course on the way for you it's running across a lot of county towns we'll hear about that later in the show and speaking of films we're going to the movies we'll be reviewing uh, Men in Black International with Mark later in the show so that more to come between now and one lines open 1850 333 103 you can text or whatsapp 086 103, 103 or indeed you can email jp at c103.ie I see a text coming in from Noreen asking about the garden raids that took place yesterday. This was a crackdown on a scam uh, that was costing TV companies a lot of money. Now, uh, you'll have heard this earlier with Barry on the news and this is how Gardi yesterday, they carried out a series of raids to crack down on a scam that was costing TV companies such as Air and Sky and Virgin Media a massive 20 million euros a year. Now, a few people on text are asking about this. Uh, this operation was aimed at a gang that has been making, uh, they reckon anyhow, up to 3 million euros a year by selling special set top boxes and they sold these to around 20,000 people and these particular set top boxes, uh, the people that bought these didn't need to subscribe to get the premium channels, so to get certain sports channels or movies, uh, they didn't have to subscribe to the likes of Sky or Virgin or Air for this, they were getting these services more or less for free Now initially they were paying a, a, a price for getting the actual box you'd pay about 150 to 160 euros maybe for the particular Box and then, with some of these services, if you wanted more channels, you paid a smaller fee, so you might pay so much 20, 30, 40 euro. Or less, even every few or every year, just to get the free channels that were offered on this particular box. But of course, it meant then these illegal services were hitting companies like Sky and Air, who were losing out on revenues they would make from subs every year. And a lot of these boxes would run through the broadband, so you didn't need a dish or anything. Like basically, you'd hook up your Wi-Fi or a broadband to the particular box, and it would run from that. Now, the boxes themselves they are known as Android boxes, so. It's not particularly the box, I suppose, that would be causing the trouble. It's the content on the box and the content you were getting. So the content that people were accessing was a premium content. And while the majority are probably, or wherever any, 20,000 people, is a lot of people, while the majority uh, would be uh, paying for Sky or paying for Virgin Media, a lot of people were accessing all these channels for free. It was costing the TV companies money. So because of that, there was a guarded crackdown. A lot of these services that were operating for free are probably, off this morning off air because they were illegal. They, I presume, got the servers where they were running from. It was ongoing here in Cork, the investigation was. And the searches were carried out uh, from Gardy in the Cork City Division uh, they were supported also by local detectives the local computer crime investigation unit was in hand as well and we had reps there uh, they say from Virgin Media and Sky TV so a big operation underway in Cork City yesterday and they did get to the bottom of those who were running this particular service meaning those who have the illegal set-top boxes uh, majority if they haven't had blank screen already they will have a blank screen I presume over the next few days while they tackle the servers uh, and indeed they tackled the the investigation into these particular boxes. Will they come around again? Uh, when when they get these guys, are there, is there more out there? Uh, there's a lot of illegal activity going on on in the internet these days and because of what is happening in this uh, it's going to be hard to tackle every single one but this was the biggest operation they have tackled that and they have uh, got the people who are responsible anyhow for running the particular free channel scam is what they're calling it uh, that making news this morning you'd heard that they were Barry, but it is basically those people who did buy these set top boxes you knew they were an illegal operation people still bought them but they knew then they were going to get their channels uh, for, uh, well, no, they were going to get them nearly for free at this stage. The majority of channels would have been free and they will not be paying for, let's say, these certain sport channels or the certain movie channels that you would pay big prices for if you were going with the likes of Sky and Virgin. But you can understand Sky and Virgin's attitude then when they were losing out in money. And something else that I saw this morning, and I'd like to hear your view on this, if you're a shopper regularly and if you go either shopping once a week. For the weekly shop Or maybe You do a shop On a Sunday And you might go back Into the store again On a Wednesday Have you noticed though overall in the last few years the price of food on the increase in this country because it seems food prices here in Ireland were among the highest in the European Union despite us here in Ireland having a big food production underway Uh, we're an agricultural nation and still because of that the prices of food and non-alcoholic beverages are 20% higher than the average EU country that's according to Eurostat who have come up with these particular figures. It makes us the most expensive for food and soft drinks and this again despite our massive agri output in this country also prices for alcohol and tobacco that is second highest in the EU and it seems that consumers prices for food are 120% of the EU average which means it costs a fifth more here for a basket of food in shops compared with prices across the rest of the European Union for example if you were getting bread and cereals here in this country we're about 19% higher than the rest of the EU Also, when it comes to milk and eggs and cheese, we're about 21% higher. Meat is 5% higher than the rest of the EU. And then if you're looking towards alcohol, well, alcohol is 77% more expensive here in this country rather than the other European countries. And tobacco, tobacco. 101% they say, over 100% more expensive. Now that is because of the measures being undertaken here in this country to reduce people smoking. So a lot of that is purposely placed on tobacco products. That's why it's so expensive for that. But when you're looking at bread and cereals and you're looking at milk, eggs and cheese, a lot more expensive than other European countries. Is that something that you notice in wherever you do your weekly shop? That overall in the last number of years, slowly but surely, prices have been on the increase. Have you noticed that on your weekly shop? I'd love to know what the average weekly shop is for someone and maybe if you have your receipts you can check it out to see what an average you spend a week and have you noticed that increasing and then over the last number of years especially for essential items like bread milk, eggs, cheese, meat which a lot is produced here in this country. Your views are welcome on that. 1850 103 or text or whatsapp 86 103, 103 and speaking of alcohol and the price of alcohol we're going to hear why there's another call for a minimum unit pricing on alcohol discussing that next (laughs)
0: Court today on C one zero three. Call Patricia with your comment 103.
2: one zero three. There is a further call for the minimum unit pricing in alcohol to be reintroduced or introduced into this country. Now, this is following the minimum pricing in Scotland, and it has been credited in Scotland with a drop in alcohol sales across the country over the last year. Now, Alcohol Action Ireland is calling for this country to follow suit, and their CEO Sheila Gilhini joins me. Good morning to you, Sheila. Good morning, John Paul. And. Thanks for joining us. Uh, First of all, looking at Scotland for the moment, and in just one year, they have noticed a reduction in people purchasing cheaper alcohol, which is one of the biggest factors relating to harm from alcohol in this country. And like Ireland, a country that has an interesting relationship with alcohol, Scotland had the same, and they're noticing a difference in just one year.
3: Yes, uh, I mean it is very interesting to see the effects. I mean it came in in May 2018, so this report is actually for the full year 2018. And even in that, um, you know, not not a complete year of MUP being there, we've seen the price or the, or the consumption of alcohol drop by three percent in Scotland, whereas in the equivalent period in England and Wales, it actually went up by two percent. So that'll just give you an indication that um, you, you know, a, and the only real difference between Scotland, England, and Wales is this minimum unit pricing. That. Enforced there. Um, now you, you, you probably know that actually minimum unit pricing is due to come in here in Ireland as uh. part of the Alcohol Act that was passed uh, last October. However, it hasn't yet been um, actually commenced, or it, has, it hasn't actually come into into play yet. And uh, we're very much calling on Minister Simon Harris, you know, to to press ahead and actually make this happen, because really every day that, um, that it's not an operation. We're seeing the effects of very cheap alcohol being available and people do drink very harmfully on these very, very cheap products.
2: And you mentioned there the Public Health Action uh, Alcohol Act that is in place. The particular part of minimum unit pricing hasn't been enabled by the Minister. Is there reasons for this? Because I know when Scotland were introducing these particular measures they did come up against a number of battles. One was a legal challenge from Scott Whiskey Association and that put everything on hold for a time. Do you feel something similar will happen here when they try and enact that particular part of the Act and maybe is that why they're holding off at the moment or or, or, is it because they don't want to upset the drinks industry in this country?
3: Well, you know, it is part of law now, and there was a lot of challenges um, during the passage of the the Alcohol Act uh, while it was going through. The, their actors from you know many parts of the alcohol industry. I think what is holding it up this particular measure at the minute is that um, originally the intention was that it would be introduced both north and south uh, at the same time, so um, to have minimum you know, pricing in Northern Ireland along with it, it being in in Ireland and. And um, some years ago when Stormont was up and running, the Minister for Health there was very positive about that. Unfortunately, in the meantime, uh, Stormont uh, is is not uh, in existence. Mm. And um, so it's not possible for it to be introduced in Northern Ireland. Um, In order for it to now be introduced here in Ireland, it actually requires a cabinet decision to be taken um, to say, right, we're going to go ahead with it anyway, regardless of the situation in Northern Ireland. Um, And we would be very much pressing and saying, just let's go ahead and, and do it because there's been so much delay on this, um, on on all of the measures really within the Alcohol Act for years and years. And, you know, the problems are are just getting worse. I mean, typically, for example, we would have something like 1,500 beds every day are occupied by people with alcohol related problems. Um, And very much we've seen from other jurisdictions that actually the minimum unit pricing, one of the, the things that it really affects are the people who are drinking very, very high levels of, uh, of of alcohol, cheap, strong alcohol, I think is how you might describe it. In Canada, for example, um, they would have seen that in uh, British Columbia, that um, a, a 9 or 10% increase in the minimum unit pricing led to uh, a 9% decrease in the number of hospital admissions for alcohol-related harm. So we, it, is, it is a measure that does work, and we, we would be just saying let's
2: just go ahead and get it done. And you mentioned there the hospitals and the effects it has. I was watching a report from the local TV station in Scotland and they were following up on the year they've had with this particular policy in place and overall even though there's no official stats coming out health workers have noticed a reduction in the effect of health, also crime on the increase and employment. One thing employers have come out and said that people aren't coming in as hungover on a weekend or maybe a Monday because they're not accessing the cheap alcohol as They would have before. So it is something that is making a difference in a short time in Scotland. So uh, you you would expect something similar to happen we, here, but who does that have, affect then? I mean, if this comes in here, I mean, I know it's in law, but I haven't enabled it yet. If it is in place, uh, who will really this affect? You mentioned cheaper alcohol. There is this the discounted stores selling alcohol, selling gin, spirits at a very low price.
3: Yes, um, it, it it is. It'll be mainly off licenses supermarkets uh, that, that are that are selling at that. It's not. It's basically putting a, a floor level on you know saying that it can't you know that that alcohol can't be sold below a, a certain level. So the prices based on uh, 1 euro per um, 10 grams of alcohol. So typically, for example, if you were to look at very cheap bottles of gin, we would have seen in our own price survey last year, you could buy a bottle of gin or a bottle of vodka for, um, you know, you know Less than twelve euro, 11 eleven euro fifty. Um, this would now actually would would rise in in price to oh, maybe about twenty twenty two euro at at that time. So it is an important measure. It does make a difference. Um, what we have found find is that uh, there's an overall reduction in the amount of alcohol being being sold. You know, in Scotland, and the overall aim and intention of the Alcohol Act is to bring down our drinking levels, which at the moment. Per capita, it'd be something like about eleven liters per person per adult uh, who would be drinking in the country. Uh, at the, at the moment, uh, in Scotland, they're down at nine point nine. So you can see, even uh, like in that that short time, that that we we really do need to make, make the case and to ask the government to just get on with it and get this minimum unit pricing in.
2: Yeah, we'd have a similar relationship, as I said earlier, with Scotland when it comes to drinking and the attitudes uh, towards drinking. Uh, one thing I've seeing this on WhatsApp, some people are, are coming in regarding the minimum pricing when it comes to cheaper spirits you mentioned there and a lot of people feel it's more our attitude and how we drink rather than price will make a difference. Uh, a few people saying that if we do like, for example, Joan here saying I don't drink irresponsibly. I might have a gin and tonic at home in the evening on a Friday after a hard week of working. So why should I pay a higher price for my gin than those who cannot control their drinking? Why should I suffer? I mean, how do you, uh, for people who don't drink irresponsibly, are they going to be paying more? Because at the moment from a survey out today uh, from Eurostat, it shows that Ireland, here in this country, we're paying 77% more for our drink.
3: It, it is true that we will all pay a little bit more for alcohol, but we, we've certainly seen, um, you know, in the, the the studies that actually looked into the implementation of um, a minimum unit pricing, that for people who would be drinking at what we call low risk guidelines, so uh, the HSE would say, for example, that women should drink no more than 11 standard drinks in a week and men should drink no more than 17 standard drinks in a week. So for somebody who is drinking at that kind of level, Right across the year, they would probably pay an extra uh, about 21 euro in total uh, across a year if you were drinking at that kind of level. So it's not a huge level of increase in terms of the price that um, the overall price that, that somebody who's drinking at low risk levels. Where it really actually has the impact are people who are drinking at very very high levels um, of of uh, consumption, and they they do tend to be very price sensitive. And another group of people for whom who are also very price sensitive would be young people. And we have very high levels of teenagers drinking in the country. We have a recent survey actually showing that in uh, Galway, Mayo and Roscommon, we have levels of about um, 77% of 15 to 16-year-olds are drinking alcohol. And actually about 30% of them would have started drinking at 13. Now, these are people who are exceptionally price sensitive, you know, but the, the, the alcohol that is available at the moment is really available at pocket money prices. So... I think we we do actually have to tackle this as a country and look at this broader picture of of our of our public health um things like the number of deaths we would have something like around 1000 deaths every year are actually attributable to alcohol <clears throat> and making a difference on pricing is one of the best ways of
2: actually tackling that problem. Yeah, Rita on text saying, I was in a discount store recently and I noticed a bottle of water, now it was a good brand of bottle of water, was €2.50, whereby a was at a cheaper price of just under €2.00. So I agree with the introduction of the minimum alcohol pricing, says Rita on text. And one thing you mentioned there about the North, if we go ahead here in the Republic of Ireland with this particular, or enabling this part of the act that is in law, but as I said, it's not enabled. So if, if this is... Uh, put in and we go ahead with the minimum unit pricing in the Republic. Uh, It could have a knock-on effect then for the North because just something that when I mentioned Scotland, Jarrett here on text is saying that a contribution factor I haven't heard anyone mention is the huge increase of sales on the English side of the Scottish border. Some shops in border towns have even extended alcohol sections due to the influx of people from all over Scotland buying in bulk in England instead. Sky, the BBC and more have also reported on this I wonder, could that be skewing the Scottish health service numbers, asked Gerard. Is that something that could happen here as well, then, if we bring it in, that people in the, uh, towards that live nearer Northern Ireland, Dublin upwards, that they'll go to the north and go to County Down or Newry or any of these places for their alcohol?
3: Well, certainly it would be better to have, um, you know, the the minimum unit pricing right across the island. And indeed, I know in Scotland um, it has been introduced and there's plans to bring it in in Wales and uh, uh, England will be the the one Jurisdiction, which actually hasn't, um, or even hasn't really contemplated, or hasn't hasn't gone ahead with it. So obviously, it would be ideal to have it right across every every, every place that people would 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 do that. Um, it is possible, yes, that people would move. I think we'd also have to take into account, that, you know, there's always differences uh, in you know the rate um, exchange rates. You know, it isn't just about the the pricing. So there's there's a variety of factors at, at play. But I think the bigger thing to consider is on a population-wide, right across the country, what is the thing that would be most important? And really the most important thing is actually to reduce the level of alcohol consumption where we can. And this is one of the the measures which has demonstrably been shown to actually work. And it is something that is certainly recommended by the likes of the the WHO, who would say that really price levers, uh, restricting uh, advertising, restricting availability of alcohol, these are the key areas that actually make a difference to overall alcohol consumption.
2: Okay, well it is I suppose the Health Minister Simon Harris now who has the final say on enabling this particular part of the Act we'll wait and see when that happens for the moment Uh, Sheila, thanks for joining us this morning that's uh, Sheila Galhini there who is from Alcohol Action Ireland your views on that Uh, do you feel that we do need to bring in this particular measure it's in law but it's not been enabled minimum pricing like they have done in Scotland when it comes to alcohol or do you feel like Joan that it's unfair she is a responsible drinker and she doesn't feel that she should be paying more because of those who drink irresponsibly or uh, like uh, another Sheila on tech saying uh, she agrees to what is coming in but education is needed when it comes to alcohol. A lot more coming in on that as well uh, and a lot more WhatsApps on the idea of minimum unit pricing on alcohol. Your views are welcome 1850 333 103 text or WhatsApp 086 2103 103 103. I'll get back to those comments shortly but first want to touch on a day that has been held across the country for carers. It's called Shine a Light. We'll speak and hear about that next. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
0: Court today on C one oh three. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 103
2: 103. Today is the longest day of the year. It's also an awareness day from Family Carers Ireland, who are highlighting the work carried out by carers in this country while also fundraising for their organization. Catherine Cox joins me from Family Carers Ireland. Good morning to you, Catherine. Good morning. Uh, First of all Catherine I like the way you choose the longest day of the year. It shows that the long hours carers put in each and every day across this year and also proving uh, that it's a full time role 24 7.
4: Absolutely Um, and you're right we choose the 21st of June for that reason and also because it's the summer solstice so uh, we thought to shine a light on caring as well would be a nice apt uh, way of of, uh, raising awareness as well and as you said it is it's a, the day is twofold. It is about raising awareness about, first of all, who family carers are and the work that they do and the fact that they save our state 10 billion euro every year. Um, but it is also about raising much-needed funds as well for Family Cares Ireland so that we can continue to support family carers in their roles. So we're hoping that we're going to have people, well, we will have people collecting, volunteers collecting right across the country, um, selling our little hearts of gold pins, um, and they're just two euro each, so we would ask the public to support it. Um, and if people can't get out and do that, they can also go onto our website and do it on familycares.ie. They can buy a pin online, or they can donate by text as well to, if they text shine a light. To 50300, zero zero zero, they can donate two euro like that as well. So and
2: I know last year, yeah, last year was a, a smaller way you did this, but this year, right across the country. So people here in Cork will see those selling the pins right across the city and county today. And Catherine, why many times we talk about those in care, sometimes the particular carer can be forgotten about. And that's what today is about, also. And a report I read recently was issued from UCD, and it shows that many carers, uh, some can suffer from. From depression, that could be due to the long hours and not being able, uh, in some respect, to live their own lives because they are caring for mother, father, brother, sister, son or daughter. They don't have time uh, to go out to mingle with friends. Their life is dedicated to the person they're caring for. But that does have knock-on effects for themselves.
4: It does, and you're right, and that piece of research, um, Family Cares Ireland would have done it in partnership with UCD and also the College of uh, Psychiatry of Ireland, Um, and it did show, basically the research was around the impact of caring on a carer's mental and physical health and well-being, and it did highlight the fact that, for example, over 50% of family carers themselves suffer with mental health issues, particularly because of um, the impact on their their mental health, the stress of caring, and and anxiety and depression were two two of the key areas that were highlighted. Um, And that report also showed that over 70% of family carers have no access to respite care, which is a shocking figure, given how important respite is for family carers. So, Um, There's no doubt that quite often when a carer's care for somebody, they ignore their own health because they're so... Um, dedicated to the person they're caring for. So it is really important that we look after our family carers in this country.
2: And another big issue we're coming across here from carers is accessing home help hours that would relieve the carer to go shopping or, or, or to do something else. And then accessing respite care uh, from a few calls we've got this morning is also becoming an issue that people just simply can't access respite care. The services are full.
4: It, 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 that's true. Um, and I know Minister Daly would have... Um, said in a radio interview a week ago that there's no freeze on home health hours across the country, but that is not what we're finding on the ground. And certainly the HSE in certain parts of the country are saying to us that they don't have any budget until November to increase home health hours. So there are many, I think there there are actually thousands of families on a waiting list for home health hours, for home care packages. um, And they could be on that waiting list for the next six months because they won't get those words. So this is, I mean, that is a resource issue. There is not enough funding put into home care. And if you look at the funding that was from the state at the moment, um, funding for nursing home care is two and a half times more than the funding for home care, despite the fact that. People want to live at home their carers want to care for them at home as long as possible yet the funding is not there to do that so that is a huge issue and a huge pressure point for family carers.
2: Yeah and we're hearing that as well from those who are trying to access home help they just simply can't get it and anybody who's mm. a new client as the HSC would call them it doesn't mm. seem to be there for them they just can't access it but then that is putting more pressure on the carer who has to remain in the particular home 24-7 and again and you know, not able to do certain things in their life which leads to what we, I was reading in that particular report that we mentioned there and in a way it's not fair but some have no option and won't leave their loved ones high and dry and as you mentioned they are saving the state a lot of money so uh, to keep uh, those carers going uh, today is a very important day it's highlighting the work done for carers and the support that they get from Family Carers Ireland just mentioned there again um, how people can donate if they want to to Family Carers Ireland the the text line again there Yes uh, so
4: they can do it in a number of ways so the text is they can text shine a light all one word, small letters. So they text Shine a Light to five zero three zero zero, and that will allow them to donate the two euro. Or they can go onto our website, which is familycares.ie, and they can actually buy one of our pins. Or even if companies out there want to buy a box of pins, they can do that online as well. And then if uh, they can't do that, or if they're not online for whatever reason, they can ring our free phone care line, which is one eight hundred twenty four. Oh seven twenty four, um, and our volunteers will be happy to talk to them then and send out pins to them. The other option is they can call our centre in uh, Turkey Street in Cork. We have a centre there as well, and Peter Cox is our local manager, so I know um, they'd be happy as well to... to out things for people if they wanted them. So there's lots of ways of doing
2: it, so we'd be delighted if people would support it. Well, best of luck, Catherine, uh, for the work you're doing today, and, and hopefully it will help carers uh, who are finding themselves in that particular situation of, of being in the home every day looking after their loved one, but still need the support from you guys. So best of luck today, Catherine, with okay. that. Uh, Catherine Cox there from Family Carers Ireland. We get so many calls here from people who were in that situation who are caring for loved ones, but unfortunately their life, that is their life. They are spending 24-7 with their loved one. They don't as in they're not against what they are doing. Uh, They want to do that and they're doing it for their loved one but the thing is they can access home help hours and they can access respite uh, to alleviate the pressure of them so that they even can go out and do shopping for themselves and their loved one or to do something for themselves full stop. But respite care is becoming an option now that's uh, really, really hard to get in parts of Cork it seems and we've Dealt with the home help issue so many times over the last number of months, uh, whereby if you're accessing home help for the first time, it seems. And it continues It's just getting tougher And tougher To get home help hours And home help services If you are a carer Anyhow If you can support them Do uh, that day today For Family Carers Ireland On Ireland's Longest day Longest day of the year June 21st Can we say good morning And hello to Tracy and Mikey They're both getting married today In Ahabalag So hello to you guys What a nice day for a wedding Weather's good So enjoy your day Tracy and Mikey Getting married today In Ahabalag And on the way After 11 A lot of calls and comments in Regarding the issue of Minimum pricing when it comes to the unit of alcohol. We'll have a lot of your comments on that also. We're going to ask why or should towing in Cork be introduced, be brought back, the deal with illegal parking that underway, and charging your electric car. It's a big issue for a lot of people in county towns who have gone electric would simply find it tough to charge their car. Friday morning, our lines are open, 1850-333-103. Or indeed, you can text or WhatsApp 086 2103 103 You can tweet this morning at c103cork or indeed, email jp at c103.ie. Earlier on the programme, we spoke to Alcohol Action Ireland and this was their call for the minimum unit in pricing to be enabled in this country. It's in law, but it hasn't been enacted as yet. And they wanted enacted to because in Scotland they have introduced this in the last year in Scotland they have seen a drop in sales towards alcohol and a change in behaviour following alcohol intake so they want that to be introduced in Ireland as soon as. A big reaction on this regarding the introduction of minimum unit pricing this would mainly affect sales of alcohol in, in cheaper stores and the cheaper alcohol that is available to us so a lot of people feel that it's unfair on tanks basically they think it's the wrong way to go anyhow uh, on this, Heidi first of all says, uh, back to prices again on alcohol. Alcohol is no way cheap here. I've said this before, and I saw in France, Italy, Spain, and well, to be honest, most European countries, alcohol is cheaper. Heidi has sent us a photo of a price for a two liter bottle of gin in I think it's Spain and the example is that that is €10.40 she thinks uh, looks like that as well on, on the price but uh, just comparison comparing that to prices here she says prices here are high and not just in alcohol she feels on everything and you would have to agree on this dentists vets close and the list goes on uh, and again a drink not cheap here either uh, says Heidi who says alcohol then it's not a problem it's the people that have the wrong attitude to it but then the rest of us will always pay the price and a lot of people and we did put this to Sheila Galhini when we were speaking to her the CEO of Alcohol Action Ireland that while everybody welcomes measures to deal with alcohol consumption in this country especially if it's being consumed in the wrong way and people consuming it aren't acting in a proper manner after consuming alcohol. The big thing here is with regards to cheap alcohol that is available, a lot of people feel if they just have a few drinks on a Friday or Saturday night at home and they avail of the cheap drink and they're not causing any harm to anybody, they're the ones that are going to lose out at the end of the day and they're not happy about that and they feel that uh, why punish the ordinary person who is causing no harm to anybody because of those who abuse alcohol? A lot of those texts uh, coming into us, uh, then people do agree with what is happening and we do need to look at alcohol intake in this country but feel it's unfair that those who haven't caused any problems when it comes to alcohol are going to pay the price for this particular increase when it comes to the introduction of minimum unit pricing on alcohol in this country Uh, Somebody else on WhatsApp saying the price of alcohol in Scotland was ridiculously cheap Anyhow it was actually cheaper than water says that person on WhatsApp Well Rita uh, who was on text earlier did say she was in a store and noticed water here was dearer uh, than the price of spirits when it came to alcohol. So you could say in this country, not everywhere, but in some uh, stores in this country you have that situation whereby water uh, is actually dearer than alcohol. Just in, in some stores that would be now. Uh, 1850 103 lines open on your view when it comes to the price of alcohol and the fact that it will be increasing once this particular part of the law is enabled. Uh, John says on text, isn't this typical Ireland? Instead of tackling the problem head on, just to increase the prices. I hope that works. Also, a bonus for the government's revenue, this will be. Education in our schools is where it should start, says John. And that's a good point. And that is something that was mentioned when we spoke uh, to Alcohol Action Ireland regarding educating people as well outside of this minimum pricing. But it does show in Scotland how things have changed. And that's why it's in law now. It just needs to be enabled by the health minister. So, whether we, people agree with this or not, it's in law, it just needs to be enabled. And when it is, what's happened in Scotland. Uh, regarding minimum unit pricing will be enforced here in Ireland. Will we have the same results as Scotland? That will be the interesting thing. Uh, will we see a reduction in those waiting uh, to go into A&E because of consuming too much alcohol? Will we see a difference with the drop in sales like they have in Scotland? We'll have to wait and see when uh, minimum unit pricing of alcohol isn't in this country. Thank you for your text uh, on that to 0862 103 103. Or indeed, you can call Bernie with your views regarding the price of alcohol A survey I called out At the start of the show From Eurostat does show that in this country we are paying 77% more on the price of alcohol uh, than other European countries and this would increase the price further uh, but again doing so uh, to enhance other services then like health uh, and employment. That came up from Scotland, how employers are noticing a difference in their staff because uh, cheap alcohol isn't available to them. Anyhow, your views are welcome. 1850-333-103 and on the prices and on that survey I mentioned from Eurostat that were paying a higher prices. ...when it comes to bread, cereals, also when it comes to milk, eggs and cheese and meat. We're paying a lot more than our counterparts in the EU and a lot of people on that unhappy. First of all, Mary's saying we hear so much about the EU, so much about Brexit, but what is the point in being in the EU? If Ireland here, we are paying a lot more than our European Union counterparts in France and Spain. Why are we paying more? I thought we were all the the one, even, uh, says Mary... Uh, Surely that was the point of the EU, Uh, while Dan says, yes, I have slowly noticed over the last two years, regardless where I go from my shop, the prices are increasing. I feel that I am now paying up to 10 to 20 euros more on my weekly shop than it was over two years ago and that seems to be the general trends on phones and texts this morning when we asked earlier are people noticing that their weekly shop, grocery shop that is, has increased in the last two or three years a lot of people feel that. Helen saying yes I have noticed this over the last number of years, our family shop has increased by about 20 euros on average and certain products are going up and up and while I mentioned uh, milk, eggs and cheese are 21% dearer in this country uh, than the rest of Europe. Anthony says, has anybody noticed the price of fish on the increase? Fish is going up at a huge rate no matter where you go. Uh, Anybody else noticing this? While John's saying, yes, my shop has gone up and I've noticed chicken is getting more expensive no matter where I go. Uh, Chicken uh, breast fillet, uh, the prices are going up to €5 or more. So prices are dearer in this country and you would think that we produce a lot of our own food the prices will be cheaper Says John on text 0862103103 So your weekly shop According to Eurostat We are the more expensive country To be living in In the European Union When it comes to groceries And going on your text In the last while It looks that way as well So have you recently Looked at your receipt And maybe Uh, Looking back over the last two years, you realise that, yeah, slowly but surely, unknown to people, uh, the prices have been going up and because of that, people are paying what looks like uh, what we're getting here on text this morning, roughly around 10 euros to 20 euros more in their weekly grocery shop in Ireland according to Eurostat one of the more expensive countries if you're doing your grocery shop despite us being a big agricultural country and the big output from agri in this country we are still very expensive your views are welcome on that 1850-333-103 on Brexit Michael and Castle Tamber and this is to do with the latest coming from Brexit of course it's now clear that there's only two left in the race to become the next British Prime Minister that will have a big impact on how Brexit goes. Michael says Boris Johnson, he feels, is an out-and-out chancellor, not a strategist and he is just one gaffe after another and a scandal away from being a liability rather than an asset for the UK. He has no clear Brexit plan or even if he had, he lacks a majority in the House of Commons. I don't really think his Churchillian performances will go down well in the EU. He is unpredictable and also unreliable. He is the wrong material for Prime Minister. He has no trust amongst anyone in Europe or indeed Dublin. All credit Michael says must go to the ministers here, that is Minister Coveney and Minister McAtee and indeed their team on the powerful performance they have shown in their negotiating skills over the last two years. Michael says they certainly have given Ireland their 110% commitment and they have to be admired for that. Politico have written that Minister McAtee was Leo Varadkar's Cam Brexiter fixer, his secret weapon. Uh, that's from Michael O'Sullivan in Castle on WhatsApp to 0862103103, And of course, the news yesterday evening that uh, Boris Johnson and Jeremy Hunt are the only ones left in the race now to become the next British Prime Minister. Uh, Michael Gove, of course, lost out to Mr Hunt by just two votes yesterday. So it's going to be either Boris Johnson or Jeremy Hunt. Uh, it's going to be the next Prime Minister uh, in the UK, which, of course, will have a big impact in on the outcome of Brexit. Uh, thank you for your text, Michael. You can text or WhatsApp 086 or call Bernie 1850 333 on the way. We're going to speak with Councillor Dan Boyle. This is on why the Green Party want to reintroduce towing in Cork to deal with illegal parking I'm sure you would have seen the photos in papers and online over the last few days of cars parking on cycle lanes and I'm sure people have seen them for themselves cars parking on street corners and just in places where you don't park a car so because of that they want to reintroduce towing but how do you feel about that Do you feel clamping and towing should come back to the streets of Cork? Your views are welcome on that. And also, we're going to, because during the week, a lot of talk about the climate action plan from the government and the move now to make us all purchase electric cars and go electric. But electric cars, you have to charge them. We're going to hear how frustrating, first of all, it is, but it's difficult also to charge an electric car in a county town. You can have slow chargers, you might have to go to the next town over to actually go and charge your car, because not everybody is going to be able to have a driveway and charge their car in the driveway. If you're living in a housing estate, if you're in an apartment, you're going to have to go somewhere to charge your car. But there seems to be problems with a lot of chargers. We'll hear and speak to one person who went electric and found out those particular problems once they went electric that and more to come your uh, your views are welcome and our lines are open 1850
0: 333103 c103 jobs
2: and on today's job spot, we have opportunities for a workshop assistant for HGV trailer yards. Training will be given, but a mechanical background is an advantage. You can call 021-480-3612 for further details. Wanted is a tailor dressmaker for suit distributors in Cork. It's an immediate start. Call 021-484-7549 for further details. And electricians are Wanted for a new job starting soon. Contact Shawnee on 86 and you find all these details and more job opportunities online right now. Just go to c103.ie or Last jobs This is C103 Cork today On C103 Call Patricia With your comment 1850
0: 333
2: 103 The Green Party Has said it Would like to reintroduce Vehicle towing In Cork It's been proposed In an effort To deter motorists From parking illegally And in bus And cycle lanes Councillor Dan Ball Joins me on this Good morning to you Dan Good morning. Uh, first of all, towing finished in Cork City, I believe, in 2012. A lot of this was due to the cost and public opposition, uh, but you want to bring it back, and this is mainly because and especially on Sundays in the city, it's just become like a throwaway for cars, with cars parked on yellow lines, cars parked on corners, obstructing traffic, and the latest is parking on bus and cycle lanes. Yes, uh, it, it's an
5: unfortunate situation and it's it's been people who are bad Motorists, bad uh, parking people—they uh, they've used it as a license to park however they want, wherever they want. Uh, in 2012, I think it was a slightly more complicated situation in that it was a towing and clamping uh, service that the uh, City Council used. It wasn't uh, cost effective uh, and, and clamping uh, it, it itself is a very blunt instrument because, for instance, if you're talking about clamping with vehicles that are making uh, an obstruction on whatever type of roadway, whether it's the street or a cycleway or a bus lane or even on the footpath, all clamping does is intensify the obstruction. Uh, uh, so I've been fairly selective in what I've been proposing and saying that it should be a principle that if any uh, path or road or lane is, uh, is obstructed uh, that towing would immediately come into effect because we have to move the obstruction. Unfortunately, there's an attitude that uh, cycle lanes are seen as less important as the the main roadway or the footpaths. Uh, and I, I think city council really needs to think it's uh, it, it rethink its culture on, on that in particular.
2: So clamping, you feel, wouldn't be an option to return to. Uh, Bush towing would. Do you think that the council this time would afford to hire contractors again to tow vehicles?
5: Well, obviously it would need to be cost effective uh, and uh, it it would have to be on the basis of of the towing cost and fines uh, being uh, put on the actual person who caused the obstruction. Uh, And if it's a cost and fine system, it would be totally cost effective in the sense that you've already factored in the cost of towing any particular vehicle away, plus you've added a fine for someone who's parked in a bad way in in the first instance. So I would be confident if it's structured in a particular way uh, that... uh, It it will be the disincentive that the City Council wants it to be. Uh, It doesn't have to be an open contract that the towing service is available on a uh, a 365-day-a-year basis for X amount of euro. Uh, I I would suggest it would be a service that uh, would be provided for the cost of each individual towing of a vehicle away. Uh, And on that basis, I can't see how a loss could be recorded.
2: Now speaking of this situation from what I can see when I'm in and about the city and from callers to the show Sunday is the day where it's particularly bad it gets worse than a Sunday and for one of the reasons I suppose it's because pay parking isn't enforced on a Sunday you can park on city streets for free the disc operation parking isn't enforced so would you like to bring back pay parking for a Sunday would you like to introduce pay parking for a Sunday a lot of the reason is you know the people from outside the city travelling in for the day for the city uh, people know that you don't have to pay for street parking and there is a bit of a free-for-all on some city streets at the moment that is leading then uh, to illegal parking. Uh, would you look at that first and maybe bring pay parking in on a Sunday?
5: Well, I, I, I don't think we need to go to that level. I think Sunday is a trade of uh, a day of lesser trading even though many of the main shops are still open. Uh, we, we've had a difficulty in the sense that there are no traffic wardens who are, are rostered to work on a Sunday because, as you pointed out, The discs themselves aren't valid on a Sunday. But uh, traffic wardens also have the ability to write tickets for other traffic violations. And indeed, the guards can. And and, uh, I I think the guards need to come into a conversation whereby they're intensifying their own uh, road traffic policing uh, on Sundays in particular. Uh, And in any case, it's always illegal, whatever day of the week, for double yellow lines to park on cycle lanes, to park on bus lanes, uh, to park on footpaths. Uh, and this is a question of enforcement it isn't a a question of introducing parking fees for Sundays Uh, and it's certainly not a a question of looking for more money to be gained for the local authority this is to challenge bad behaviour and to discourage it from uh, ever occurring in the first instance.
2: And you mentioned enforcement there, there is a lack of enforcement, the Gardaí would probably come back and say that's because there's a lack of resources within the Gardaí shikona in Cork and I know in recent months uh, the Gardaí have come out and indeed uh, ministers locally here in Cork have come as well, due to the fact that those leaving Simplemore are being deployed to Dublin, to Drogheda, to areas on the east side of this country, water than Cork. So, the Gardaí, openly enough, are saying, yes, they want to do more, but there's no resources to do so.
5: Yeah, That's undoubtedly true. And At national level, the Gardaí uh, is a very under-resourced uh, police force. But but it's, it's also the case that the type of uh, enforcement we're talking about is low-level enforcement. It it doesn't require uh, the type of resources you need for, say, gangland feuds or or drug trafficking or or people trafficking. Uh, This is uh, quite visual uh, in in terms of whether people are breaking the law or not. Uh, It requires a fairly immediate response for when the transgression is being taken place. It's not one of those invisible crimes. It's not one of those that takes place under uh, dark light, dimly lit uh, or or faraway places. This is activity that occurs in the centre of our towns, uh, and the guardies should be able, even on reduced resources, to be doing a better job than they seem to be willing to do at the moment.
2: And just on cycle lanes uh, because we've got a few texts on that some people feel the cycle lanes are located in wrong areas I was listening to a guy recently he's from the Netherlands and he feels that in some European countries uh, they totally separate cycle lanes from roadways so you would have either a small concrete wall or a ditch uh, that would separate the actual roadway and the cycleway he said it's safer that way for the cyclists and also it prevents people then from parking illegally on cycle lanes seemingly across the the Netherlands than some European countries Countries that have this already in place and here in Cork I know one thing that uh, annoys both motorists and cyclists is that if you're crossing a junction I know this is on one of the streets I think it's Washington Street you have to drive across the cycle lane to get to the other part of the street so there's not a lot of joined up thinking when it came to cycle lanes in Cork City would you like to have that kind of area whereby like the Netherlands you would have a separation of cycle lanes and indeed motorists. Not all, not possible in a lot of parts of the city but when you're outlining new areas for cycle lanes because at the moment it's not really working out for the safety of cyclists in some areas of the city. I'm sure Dan, you can see that yourself when you're driving around or walking around even the city centre.
5: Or cycling around. It's it's certainly not uh, what it can be. It should be, it's an improvement from what's been there before but it, 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 there are uh, a lot of examples of the law of unintended consequences where new pinch points are being created and more sensitive dangers, particularly for cyclists, are, are being there. Ideally, segregation of of, of the roadway is better. Uh, it will cost more and it will take a while to be fully put in place. But even in, in places like the Netherlands and Denmark, uh, they, they, there are open cycleways as well and there, there are use of cutaways on footpaths. Uh, I, I think we particularly need to pay attention at, 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 at roundabouts. Uh, where uh, any cyclist using a roundabout is taking their their life into their hands uh, and the the more progressive way of dealing with roundabouts is to have an outer roundabout of cutaways for cyclists alone and 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 pedestrians indeed. So we're we're still feeling our way. We're still trying to reintroduce a bike culture that used to exist quite quite a large extent in Ireland, uh, but we're we're failing to put in place the appropriate infrastructure in the appropriate ways. Uh, and because of that, um, there are motorists who are taking gra- the situation for granted and uh, are. Uh, feeling obliged uh, that or entitled uh, that they can park how they like where they like and not give any consideration to other road users.
2: And do you cycle much yourself, Dan, or across the city? Uh, I don't cycle as much as I should. I'm yeah. part of
5: the free bike, well, not the free bike scheme, but certainly the the bike scheme in which you register and and uh, and use bikes around the city. I think it, it Cork is a, a fairly proud record that uh, per capita we have a greater use than Dublin. So, mm. and there, there will be more bike stations put in and around it. Uh, I, I think connections with the CIT in particular were, are going to be important. Uh, so, we're we're getting there very slowly, and and we have a class of commuters now who are are cycle only are largely cyclists. Uh, and uh, we're not treating them the, the way we should be, we're not giving the encouragement uh, we're not making them feel as safe as they should be when they're on the road they have the same entitlement as other road users and people who are in cars, I'm a driver myself they they, they. they feel failure of recognition that these are uh, are, are one-ton pieces of steel and tin uh, that uh, can cause enormous uh, damage if they come across uh, people who are either walking or cycling. Uh, and uh, the, the culture needs to be balanced in such a way that we're all equal democratic users of the road space and that means that the 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 reign of the car only has to be modified to a large extent uh, and certainly the the willingness of people to park badly uh, with no consideration of road road users has to come to an immediate
2: stop so, regarding the towing, when do you are you going to bring this motion in, into City Hall? Do you think they actually will go run with this? And if they were to run with this, how soon could this be implemented? Well, I,
5: I certainly, I, I certainly will be moving a motion. Uh, it, it, it'll go to uh, City Council in July. Uh, the summer break, I think, is going to delay it somewhat. It'll probably be in committee in September to come back September, October. Uh, but the the idea that uh, there will be a large-scale approval of bad parking. I don't see it happening. I, I think there's a slight changing of the winds. Uh, and I would be confident that the council would be willing to s- support this measure. Uh, I don't think it's in any way over the top. I think it's quite measured. Uh, and what it, what it will do is it will discourage uh, the people who are parking badly. And I, I think the, the city council, its elected members and its officials have a vested interest to
2: ensure that that does happen. Okay, Liam on text saying I agree with what Dan is saying regarding bad parking I see it myself when I go to the city on weekends and I feel education is needed when it comes to driving tests we should also teach people how and indeed where they should be parking that should be included in theory tests Uh, while Joan saying I feel cycling in the city and I did it once myself with the Coca-Cola bikes she says I was nervous doing it Uh, people drive so fast and the lanes are so narrow I I find driving in the city or cycling in the city very nerve-wracking Joan. Um, hopefully that won't put you off Joan in the future but uh, Joan having a, a various experience on cycling in the city. Very finally Dan we're going to speak to a caller soon regarding electric cars. You'll be aware this week the climate action plan from the government and making people go electric. Uh, some of our callers cannot actually charge their cars because of the charging points not working the charging points not being fast enough I know the ESB are going to launch a, a programme whereby they're going to roll out more charging points. Uh, is that something from a green point of view you obviously welcome the electric side of it but... Uh, a lot, of has, a lot of work has to be done to convince people to go electric when the infrastructure isn't there.
5: Yeah, well, uh, we would like to see it to be a, a, a multifaceted approach. If we replace our existing uh, fossil fuel-based car f- uh, fleet with, with an electric car fleet, uh, we're not doing anything to Change the real problems, which is uh, people getting from A to B in the quickest possible time. We would still have traffic gridlock, and as you say, we still need an infrastructure for electric cars. Yes, we say the infrastructure needs to be increased. What we also need to do is improve the culture where people are in their cars less and are given better alternatives in terms of public transport, being able to walk and cycle from A to B, uh, and the quality of life is what will benefit from us as well as the. Uh, the environmental benefits of of not contributing uh, in such an enormous way to uh, to global warming and, and the climate emergency.
2: Okay, well, Dan, thanks for joining us this morning on that. We'll wait and see what happens regards the uh, towing. Uh, but that is Councillor Dan Boyle from Cork City Council on the issue of reintroducing towing in Cork City due to, and you saw the pictures over the last few days, uh, people parking illegally on bus lanes, on cycle lanes, and just parking their cars anywhere really and causing obstruction. Anyhow, your views on that are welcome. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. You mentioned electric cars there and people going electric, people who have gone electric, uh, but finding it hard. To charge the actual car Discussing that next
1: You're listening to Cork Today On Replay Phone and text lines Are currently closed
0: Cork Today On C103 Text or WhatsApp Patricia With your comment 0862103. one
2: 103. Now we were speaking there with Councillor Dan Boyle from the Green Party and we did ask him regarding electric cars and why more infrastructure is needed. If we're all to go electric, because of course this week you'll be aware the government launched their Climate Action Plan and that will see an increase in electric cars on our roads because there are going to be a ban on people buying petrol and diesel cars from 2030. But what we're hearing is many people are finding problems with the chargers and also with the charge locations. One of those is a taxi driver with a business in Clonacilty, Niall Johnson joins me. Good morning to you, Niall. Hello, good morning. Uh, thanks for joining us on this. Now, I know your issue has been resolved, but just tell us what happened to you during the past uh, few days, because this is to do with the issue of chargers. And yeah. you the charge your particular vehicle, and we're doing so in Clonacilty. Yeah, they,
6: I bought a vehicle and I found I couldn't charge it until I, unless I went to Bandon.
2: So you'd have to travel to Bandon to charge it.
6: Yeah, the charging point in Connachtilty in DCs wasn't working. Now, in fairness, they have it working now. But I've just plugged it in now, and it says it'll take five and three quarter hours, and it's only half. It's only half full at the moment.
2: And it's how long? F- how long should so it, it takes- usually take?
6: Well see in the charger that's in Clonacilty, is not a very it's not a fast charger. So it's going to take up to twelve hours from empty. Now I hope it'll never be empty. But the fact there's a fast charger in Bandon that will take about three hours, three and a half. It's up in the on the bypass in Bandon.
2: So, so
6: we need we need fast chargers.
2: And no, the fast chargers a- just to go back to the fast chargers because uh, people might be a bit confused on this there obviously is different w- w- ways that you can charge the vehicles when levels of electricity yeah. go into the vehicles I- I'm sure yeah. and all of that so uh, you're saying the one in Bandon can charge your car in three hours the one in Clonacilty which seems to be an older type charger or something uh, will charge your car but won't do it as fast as Bandon hence then you have to go to Bandon and take time out of your own day to charge your particular vehicle but then when you're in Bandon are you waiting around for three hours then?
6: Well I wouldn't be able to do anything else Because I wouldn't have a car Like you know
2: And are well, you using that it. car for a taxi
6: Well I I, I hope to be uh, next week I haven't been able to start because I'm Trying to iron out a few of these Small <laughs> They're small in one way but they're Quite big problems With the charging
2: So if so you're is it, is it,
6: In the near future, when the whole thing is sorted out, this is going to be brilliant, you know? But at the moment, it is going to be a complete headache.
2: And for yourself, if you have a... a, Let's say you are using the particular car for a taxi service and you do go to Bandon and the battery is running low, you then have dropped off your person in Bandon. You will have to go to the bypass in Bandon, charge up your car, but you're then waiting three hours. Uh, regardless of what happens in
6: the next... Well, no, ex- I, uh, see, it, when I say it'll, it'll uh, charge it very fast, Bandon, sure, I might have on, only have to plug it in for a while to get me back to Clannacilty, or get me to, next. you know, to get me to another car if, if I'm that bad. But I shouldn't, see, I shouldn't be um, letting the um, battery run down too much. It should never be down too much.
2: So, so you'd have it halfway or something, is it, or three quarters?
6: Yeah, like, in theory, I should be able to get to Dublin Airport if this car is fully charged.
2: And then if you, for example, do go somewhere and the car is three quarters charged or half charged up, how long so would you have to wait around for it to get fully charged to get you to your next destination? For example, if you were in Ban and going to Clon, how long would you have the car parked up for?
6: Oh, if I did it for about 25 minutes, I'd be um, definitely be back in Planet guilty. Okay. Now in, and now there's other there's the ordinary chargers as well mm. just on we've got only two one unit which which, is a, which has two chargers and they're not fast chargers so at the moment my car and there's another car there at the moment so if any tourist comes into Tlannacilty there is no charger whatsoever in the town to charge their car and that's why that's where the problem is going to arise where because we're a tourist town, we can't just say there is 10 cars in the town that need charging at any time. Because we don't know who's going to come into the town.
2: Yeah, and if they come in then and they want to charge their car and the charges are full or not working, then that is going to cause problems, especially down the line. Can I ask, why did you decide to move to electric?
6: I... I decided because I reckoned it is the way to go, and I and if it works, it will actually save me money. Because I'm using I'm using somehow between a hundred and fifty and two hundred euros worth of diesel a week in the car and driving. this second, because I had to get out my I had to get out of my Tesla and get into another car now to be able to do my work.
2: And regarding driving an electric car, is there a lot of, is there much of a difference or do you notice a difference when you're driving an electric car compared to a petrol or diesel car?
6: No. See, they see just don't make any sound. Uh, they're very fast, but they, um, if you're driving an automatic car anyway, it's really no different.
2: And reg- are, they, are they automatic?
6: Yes. Yeah. It'd all be automatic
2: All automatic And when you look at the if We look at the fuel gauge Obviously you have a, a display Of a battery on it then And you're, you're yeah, watching that The yeah, whole time then right.
6: Yeah but you As somebody said to me If you once you, Once you do get a charge And sort this end of it out You won't look at it all the time Because you'd go mad if you did
2: <laughs> You'd be worried and in case You'd go off. You know you yeah. can't
6: You'd be You'd put yourself In an awful tizzy But there should be more charges At the moment Nobody else could charge your car in Cammickilty,
2: but would you recommend going electric? I would. And did right. you get a grant? I know there's grants out there. Were you able to avail of a grant?
6: I will be able to avail of two grants. I'll be able to avail of a grant because I'm have a PSV vehicle, mm. and I'll be able to avail of a grant, a house charging grant for my house. So I, I can get a grant as well for putting in a charger at home.
2: And then you have the, the the reliability of charging the car at home as well, rather I'll than going be, to DC's car park. Amazed.
6: I'll be I'll be able to work fine once I have my charger at
2: yeah.
1: home.
6: Now it's going to take a, a little while because there's, you know, they don't um, give out the codes for the grant very fast. But it'll I'll have that done fairly soon. And enough, you know, I'm not um, complaining about anything. It's just I really do think we need. More charging
2: points. Well, the, we At did. The fast charger. We did mention this uh, to the ESB, who have issued a public statement to all media saying that they are going to begin a twenty million euro program, and that is going to happen later in this year. It's going to expand then and enhance all their charging points networks across the country as part of what we mentioned the uh, climate action plan that was announced earlier on this week. Uh, but I suppose the fear is, as you mentioned there, and it's a good point when it comes to tourist towns like Clonakilty, if you have, for example, twenty charging points in the town and not everybody will have the luxury of installing one in their home if you're in a housing estate or an apartment you'll have to drive to a public place to charge it up if you if there's no space in where you live and if they're all full or if there's a few not working that will cause problems and of course these
6: everything sometimes stops working I mean we can we're not saying that everything has to work all the time we mm. want everything to work all the time but that is obvious things do but they should be able to come out and rectify it very fast
2: I suppose it's going to take a while for all of us as well I mean if you're on the road you know you're running low on fuel you know there's a petrol station nearby whether you be in a motorway you know you can get off the motorway if you're in a, a, your own home area you'll know where the next petrol or diesel station is that's something that we'll have to change in our mindsets as well because we will eventually all be going electric we'll have no choice and we'll have to be thinking of the nearest electric charging point I know I presume there'll be a business model change when it comes to fuel stations but still we'll have to change our mentality with that as as well and that's something obviously you were doing now
6: I am and I, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing it to be honest I know it's going to give me a lot of headaches in short term but I'm looking forward to the the whole idea of it and do you know the time I'll replace the car now I will put unless this is a complete disaster I will be putting an electric car on instead
2: so you'll change all your fleet and go 100% but that electric but not
6: over it won't be over a short period like um I have five um SUV, uh, I've got two SUVs with say nine seaters They I don't think you can get them replaced And I've three cars So they can be replaced They will be pl- replaced As I'm replacing them They'll be going electric
2: And just a text in here From somebody asking oh, Do you know You might not know this The cost to charge a car If, if you're charging it In your own home eventually uh, Do you know the overall cost of, To charge a particular car?
6: Well, to charge mine from zero at home, I think it would be about 10 or €12.
2: That's a massive difference.
6: It is, and it's also, um, that would be an overnight one, because you would, at home, you'd normally have um, a charger that would be similar to having your shower on all the time.
2: And given what you told me there about your fuel costs of 150 to 200 euros, that's a huge difference uh, charging a car from from start to finish. Say I charge it every
6: day. Say I charge it every day. It's only only going to be because it'll never be, you can't ever have it empty. You know what I mean? We're talking from empty when we say 12 hours. You can't have it empty. You know?
2: OK, well, you recommend, anyhow, so far, despite the problems the with, with the actual go. chargers, you recommend as the way to go electric. And before I let you go there, Niall, Chronicle team, the weather's good at the moment. How's business it's going for you guys? A lot of stags, hens around the place over the last few weeks, is, I've noticed. Uh, is there it good is, this yeah. summer? Is, is tourism picking up it again is. this summer? It's
6: very busy. It's busy. But it's a great town. You know, the, pe- the people in the town make a huge effort the whole time.
2: Yeah, there's always something happening and and that makes the tourism for the area and it's become one of the towns now uh, not only here in Cork but across the southern part of the country along with Dingle and others who have made a name for themselves for tourism and you can see that uh, when you're travelling around. Anyhow, Niall, best of luck with the electric car. We might uh, keep in touch over the next few years to see how it all goes for you but best of luck with the taxi business and the electric cars. Thanks for joining us, Niall. Thanks for sharing your story. Uh, Noel Johnson, there, who's a taxi driver and a taxi business person in Clonakilty, on going electric. On, I suppose, first of all, the challenges you will face, as he mentioned with the charges, but then uh, it pays off in the end. And overall, as you heard him say, the cost of charging the car, a lot of people asking that from his home base, uh, roughly around 12 euros overnight. uh, And that's a big difference given on what he is spending on fuel. Anyhow, uh, some of an insight there into going electric if you were thinking of going an electric car I've never driven an electric car No I was saying it's, um, it's it's very similar to obviously petrol and diesel just you don't have the noise but when it comes to speed and taking off it's very very similar uh, and obviously you have a, a difference regarding the fuel gauge you don't have a fuel gauge you have uh, the actual battery um, level on your actual dash rather than that that's probably one of the biggest uh, changes that, that people are watching out for when they're driving and you're worried about the battery but then you just get used to it and you'll get used to the charging points I presume over the next years when they increase those but uh, yeah interesting to see like, as I said I've never driven electric so if you have let us know maybe you're like Noel and it's the way to go 1850 333 103 r text or whatsapp 086 2103 103 C103 Friday afternoon our lines are open 1850 333 103 you can text or whatsapp 086 uh, 103 you can email jp at c103 dot or indeed you can tweet this afternoon uh, at C103 Cork Ahead if you're thinking of getting involved with films or becoming a filmmaker well that's a summer course you need to know about we'll talk about that uh, between now and one and speaking of films we are going to the movies Mark Malone will be here our movie reviewer and we're this week reviewing Men in Black International that are more to come between now and one. First of all though your calls and comments and this is in connection with our chat earlier before midday with Niall on the comment line Niall a taximan and a business person from Kilty who has gone electric with one of his cars and will go electric with the rest of them it sounds anyhow and we were just discussing the charging situation when it comes to chargers and how come that where he's in Kilty, uh, the actual there's no fast charge in Kilty, whereby there is one fast charge point in Bandon and making the point that you need these uh, this infrastructure to be placed everywhere across the county uh, otherwise you're going to have a situation whereby people will just simply not go electric if they cannot charge their car uh, so the infrastructure of the ESB has come out this week and said they are going investing in that and you will see a big improvement over the next number of years but how many electric charge points will every town have and will every town need for example a tourist town like Conic-Kilty will might need more because you have a lot of tourists who are uh, calling and visiting the town over the summer months and indeed across the year So how do you predict on who has or who has not an electric car because then everybody will be able to have a driveway especially the way things are going these days with people moving to more urban areas people won't have driveways to plug in uh, their electric car so how will all that work and we were discussing that and indeed driving an electric car which seems there's not much of a difference in driving an electric car compared to petrol or diesel apart from their automatic and uh, the less noise that comes from the electric engine. Well on that a lot of calls and comments in from people who have various views when it comes to going electric first of all Donald says that he was talking to a man in the oil business and he said an arctic load of petrol costs roughly 60,000 euros 40,000 euros of that is taxed Donald says that it's crazy and now they want to hike it up a lot more, given that we only produce 0.16 of global emissions. What we do here will make no difference as other countries will drive on. What about aviation planes burning 10,000 litres per hour and their kerosene is tax-free? The government will close down this country, feels Donald on text to 0862103103. And Heidi, when it comes to charging your car in an electric charger, uh, and you're right, Heidi, at the moment you don't have to pay anything for the, the use of... Of an electric charger in, in public, but that is going to change, and it will, and that has come out over the last um, a few months. That in the future, if you are charging your electric car at a public charging point, you will have to pay for the use of that particular charging point, and that will come in stream. And indeed, uh, they reckon it will come in very fast over the next two to five years. Uh, thank you for your WhatsApp, uh, Heidi to oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. And Kathleen and Mallow onto Bernie uh, asking that okay, electric cars, if they are the way to go, what if we have a very bad lightning storm and electricity goes off? What good are electric cars then? Uh, well if you don't have the battery charged up not much good to you if you can't get from A to B because you'll have no electricity I would presume at that stage what will happen you'll notice this over the next 10 years they will come up with new ideas uh, to deal with situations like that I mean if you look at our phones our mobile phones which everybody has these days uh, you will see this in a lot of stores now selling power banks for your phones so if you're on a day out if you're going on a picnic If you're going on holidays Or whatever And you need to charge your phone You can plug in this power pack Which is a little box basically with, Of a big battery inside In this particular box Into your phone You can get them in a range of sizes And that powers up your phone Then for how, however long you need to or, or charge it up fully And that could do you for the day Or however long you're going to use your phone for So I presume with a car It'll be a, a bigger box And a bigger battery But somebody somewhere Will come up with that type of idea That if you want to purchase A power bank for your electric car in case of a lightning storm or the electricity going off or something like that happening or we have a big storm like we had a number of years ago unfortunately, hopefully that will never come again but if we have something like stormophilia and people are left without power for four or five days I'm sure there's somebody out there thinking of that particular invention whereby you would uh, have a power bank for an electric car and that would keep you going until then the electricity comes back but you know, more so nowadays the, the max even with a bad storm is electricity out for five, six, seven days at the most unless the storm or unless you're in a very rural area whereby they are having real problems accessing the damage but uh, more so a week is usually max after a major storm when the electricity goes out and I presume someone will come up with various methods on how to get around all those things within the next 10 years. Kathleen thank you for your call to 1850 333 103. Speaking of towns you do see a lot of tourists coming in and people staying in hotels and they'll be using electric chargers as well and that's the public ones I'm talking about Michael England says well all the hotels should have chargers for electric cars and the chargers in the towns then could be just used for the locals so hotels uh, having electric chargers. And John on text feels the government want to rob us all again with a VRT tax on new cars. John feels electric cars are just no good. And Dick asking, what's going to happen when all, when we all have gone electric in this country and fuel stations will be a thing of the past, and then you have tourists who are coming here from across the water and bring their cars, are they still petrol or diesel their cars? And if they are, how do they fuel up if their cars are petrol or diesel? Asks Dick. Uh, good point, Dick, because. We don't know what's happening with Brexit overall across the EU. They're trying to implement this from 2030 that everybody will be going electric. But of course, if the UK are doing their own thing and not in the EU and they're not electric, and you're right, if people do come to this country or indeed outside of the UK, somewhere else, a lot of people don't like flying. So if somebody does go on a boat journey uh, with their vehicle uh, from a various part, even outside of Europe, and Descend in Ireland With their petrol Or diesel car And it's beyond 2030 And we're seeing uh, A slowdown on people Using those cars And fuel stations Slowly I don't think They'll close They'll probably reinvent themselves As something else uh, Because we will need Charging points as well So they will change around And you can see that I actually haven't seen it here In Cork As yet But I was up Where was I? Limerick Um I can't think of the name of the place now, but I was in Limerick, anyhow, visiting friends of mine who I used to house share with a number of years ago. And uh, in an apple green station there uh, on the limerick Clare border, there was a big section of the actual uh, service station whereby they had a number of electric charging points. And you could have at least parked, I think, eight to 10 cars there. So I presume that's the way uh, diesel or petrol stations will go over the next while, that they will actually change up and introduce services like this and as we mentioned earlier with Heidi they will start charging for this so that's how they will make their money and obviously you'll notice now at petrol and diesel stations the majority of them uh, have a shop or have large shops have a large retail units have big cafes and all of that so that's the way that business will probably go over the next while, and I'm sure you've seen that uh, in your own local area, how they have adapted and changed over the last 10 years dealing with food and have become more retail uh, than the uh, older petrol and diesel stations we would have been aware of. So I would presume that's the way they'll go, uh, whereby you'll see electric charge points taking over slowly petrol and diesel stations. And like that one, and actually it was in Balana as you leave Banana Killaloo on the Clare-Tip border coming to Limerick uh, it was a a petrol station that I came across there and they had a number of charging points and I haven't seen it anywhere uh, else I'm sure it is somewhere uh, but I just haven't spotted it um, elsewhere but they had about 10 or 12 electric charging points and that's the way slowly it will go Uh, but yeah I think for tourists coming over who in a country that haven't gone electric how will they cope well it will be a good a few years away and even when we do introduce them into this country it will be another five, six or seven years by the time we phase out petrol and diesel thank you for your calls and when it comes to electric cars on 1850 333 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. on hospital workers of course a strike due to take place yesterday with regards to some hospital workers that that strike didn't go ahead a talk still ongoing and Pat says hospital workers are in a pay dispute at the moment and the government he feels are dragging their feet over pay claims but the government gave a big pay increase to consultants recently and it will cost several millions and bankers are now trying to increase on the cap of their wages so the hospital workers are only looking for what they were promised in the talks says Pat to do with those talks ongoing regarding pay for some of those working in our hospitals and public sector and regarding shopping I mentioned earlier a survey out from Eurostat showing that us here in Ireland When it comes to shopping, when it comes to buying your meat, your eggs, your milk, we are far more expensive than other countries in the European Union. And even though we are a big agricultural nation and a lot of agri-products sold here in this country, produced locally, we still are more expensive when you go to the shop to buy your grocery shopping than anywhere else in the EU. And some making the point that we have such a big agri industry. Why are we so more expensive than the likes of Spain, France, Germany, and all of these countries who we do export our goods to? Well, Pat in Bally Desmond says farmers get 30 cents per litre for milk. It costs a lot more in the shop. So, uh, Pat says the middleman is getting all the profits when it comes uh, to our groceries. Um, thank you, Pat in Bally Desmond on text 086 2103 and also on WhatsApp. And this is from Sean in McCroom. And I know we dealt with this last year and the Animal Eucharistic procession is on in McCroom next Sunday and Sean says the traffic is usually diverted until the procession has finished but last year the Gardaí left traffic through the square while the ceremony was taking place. This created awful noise and was disrespectful Sean feels in Cork City Centre. He said the traffic is diverted for three hours on a Sunday for this city procession from Sean in McCroom. Yeah I know last year there was a problem where a few cars went through while the procession was on Going And then when it all uh, more or less stopped in the square and they were having prayers in the square McCroom, the Gardaí let the traffic flow continue. Now, some would argue that maybe at that point uh, the procession was off the main roadway and it was in the square. And while prayers were being had, they needed to let the traffic flow again just because of the sheer volume of traffic that goes through McCroom on a daily basis people travelling from Cork to Kerry it's one of the only routes uh, unless you're travelling from the northern part of the county and you're going from Mallow to Killarney that way if you're travelling majority people from the city uh, and obviously in the West Cork area Mid Cork areas will be going via McCroom if they are going to Kerry and vice versa and because of the high level of traffic maybe that's why the Gardaí they had to leave the traffic go through the streets because the procession was off the road and it was the prayers were going on within the square in McCroom I'm sure that was one of the reasons given but Sean making the point if they can do it in the city if they can close uh, the streets uh, the main thoroughfares in the city for three hours on a Sunday why can they not do that in McCroom as well now as he said traffic was diverted and usually what happens and I remember last year traffic is diverted in the last few years uh, and I'm sure forever traffic would be diverted at the bridge uh, they're off New Street, uh, you know, um, Oreda's Nightclub, uh, that bridge there, traffic will go left there. They'll go down the Coulee Hall Road and they'll come out then at the other side of Macroom. And that's how traffic is diverted for the Eucharistic procession and would be, if anything, major is happening in Macroom. Uh, but maybe because Saturday and Sunday mornings, anybody living in the area will know and realise that traffic is, extra heavy on a Saturday morning going into McCroom uh, and also on a Sunday from either side uh, coming in and out of McCroom people travelling on the road more so going visiting at the weekend and it just could have been because of the level of traffic was too high that they felt they had to leave it, go through the town again to take the pressure off the Coolihan Road which really isn't a you know the Coolihan Road is a narrow road I'm sure everybody will, will be aware of it in the area of McCroom it's certainly not a bypass for the area and because of that maybe they, they felt there was too much traffic and they let it go through the town again or do you agree with Sean that when a Eucharistic procession is on in a town regardless if it's off the streets and, it's, and, and everybody's praying in the square and they're not on the actual street itself, the traffic should remain stopped and should remain diverted. Anyhow, your view is welcome on that. Uh, thank you, Sean, for your WhatsApp in McRoom. Uh, just bringing some of what we dealt with last year on that. But your views are welcome. 1850 Or indeed, you can text a WhatsApp 086 2 103 103. On the way, we're heading to the movies. Mark Malone reviewing Men in Black International. But before that, speaking of films, are you interested in becoming a filmmaker? Well there's a summer course You need to hear about Discussing and finding out More about that next The C103
0: Cork Diary
2: With Cork County Council Supporting businesses Supporting
1: communities Serving Cork Visit CorkCoco.ie
2: Oak GA Club They present A Night with the Stars That's on tonight At 9 o'clock The MC on the night Is Tomás Mulcahy With Tommy Walsh Davy Fitz Owen Barmer Liston And many more Special guests On the night there In Aeroge GA Club You can get tickets now From the Aero Of 10 euros that'll cost you A dog show is taking place in Kilmurray this evening At 7pm With Harrier classes and breed classes Including best dressed Waggiest tail best groomed etc plus a lot more fun family activities all proceeds go to the Irish Guide Dogs for the Blind and the Alzheimer's fundraising night is going to be held in the Village Inn in Granada. that's going ahead tomorrow night live music there on the night spot prizes also to be won on the night in Granada. and a fundraising tea party will be held in Jim and Betty Smith's home at Cladagh House in Mosgrove Cross in Noosestown that's at 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon it's in support of Peter O'Neill's battle to regain his health after taking ill on a flight to Miami to celebrate his 80th birthday and 50th wedding anniversary. And Mill Street Vintage Club their summer run and barbecue that is an aid of bumbleins that takes place on this Saturday and is finishing up at Bob's Bar in Ballydesmond for a barbecue and live music you can sign on at Corkery's Bar in Mill Street from 5.30pm tomorrow evening with takeoff at at 6.45pm the entry fee there is 10 euros for the run C
0: 103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850 333
2: 103 And while we were speaking about electric cars a texture says how are we going to generate all this electricity for all the cars and that is one thing that has been coming out about electric cars we'll still be using in some parts of the world fossil fuels anyhow to burn electricity to create electricity and we'll need to increase electricity of course here as well and that has been a point that has been discussed as well and something the ESB uh, networks have spoken about if we're going to bring in electric cars we will have to generate more electricity over time but a lot to go in that another 10 years before everybody will be moving anyhow into the world of electric cars uh, also a few more tanks on that I'll get back to those Bush. if you ever wanted to make a film well this could be for you because Cork Young Filmmakers they're running a series of long filmmaking workshops for people between the ages of 14 to 18 and uh, Mary McGrath who's coordinator of the Cork Young Filmmakers joins me this afternoon good afternoon to you Mary and thanks for joining us I suppose first of all what's entailed in these particular workshops and how can people get involved in them
7: Okay. Um, first, maybe to start with how people get involved, it is at this widely true, And there are four of them on the floor, so there's quite a lot of talk.
2: Okay, Mary, your mobile is just breaking up there. Maybe if you have to move to an area whereby it's a bit clearer, uh, where we can continue to have a chat with you, Mary, there, regarding how people get involved in the actual workshops. Are you okay now there, Mary? Can you hear me? Yes, absolutely fine. Okay, that's a bit, a bit clearer. So you were just explaining there uh, about the workshops.
7: That's right. They happen in uh, four different centres throughout County Cork and are funded by Cork County Council. So the first thing is that this is accessible to everybody financially. It's 50 euros for the week and Cork County Council provides most of the other funding to bring in, I suppose, professional filmmakers and equipment to Middleton, Mallow, McCroom and Bandon. And each course is five days long, and uh, 21 young people come together in each of those places, and they learn everything from story to camera to sound. And uh, They create a film. They together actually two films in each area, and uh, they get hands-on experience. And they also get, which is really important, to get, get to meet other people who have similar interests, who are creative, who want to work in front of or behind the camera and both apply and they get to make their own films and that's really
2: exciting. Yeah and they get to hear and get the experience of those who work in the film industry as well and will teach them the right angle to film something at and also not only on screen but behind the scenes and that experience will stand to them.
7: Absolutely and you know we are at a time when Ireland we're really um, kind of hitting above our weight in terms of filmmaking in a world scenario. And there there are lots of opportunities for young people to get involved in filmmaking. So it's not only just right now a great way of expressing yourself, of meeting new people and developing confidence and skills, but down the line for a lot of young people it's leading to opportunities to go on to further study, to get that place in St. John's College or IADT in Dublin and learn more and become involved in working in the world of film, which is really exciting. If you're into it. And there are a lot of young people out there who are so creative and don't get the opportunity really otherwise to do this.
2: Yeah. And one thing there, and we speak about filmmaking, people think about the traditional means of a film being shown in a cinema or TV. But the one thing nowadays is the growing digital that is out there, a digital market and people making short films and short videos for companies on Facebook or on Twitter and Instagram. There's a lot of people who are getting into that side of things and doing a course like this and going on to in college and doing something else to do with digital. You can get the experience of creating the right short film for a company and that could have a good wage at the end of the day for somebody as well because, you know, we, as I said, we we think of the old school when we think of making films, but there's a new world out there expressing itself now when it comes to digital.
7: Absolutely. And, you know, it's not just people who work like per se in the world of film or being employed to make promotional videos, and there is all of that. But in any other jobs, in, in a lot of jobs, having that skill to go and make a short film about something, it's a great way of, it's a great skill to have, a great kind of um, something to bring into your CV, to, you know, to um, to kind of help your, your, the odds of getting that job above somebody else. And I think it makes an incredible difference to young people, really, in terms of confidence, I would say that's probably the biggest thing I see. We have young people come in and five days later, you can absolutely, and with parents telling us, this has made a difference to our child's life. And I think that's really important. The right now is really important as well as
2: the future so apart from the learning of filmmaking, just instilling confidence in a young person as well uh, is a big thing especially when it's go- going into that line of business or any line of right. business uh, as you know these days I suppose yeah. on the filmmaking aspect it's on the increase in Cork and films and, and short dramas are a big point of talking point anyhow in Cork at the moment we've got a lot of big productions um, going on the most famous right. one I suppose are the young offenders but I know also we've had German TV companies and Italian TV companies here in Cork filming various short TV dramas he year in Cork, be that in scenic areas of West Cork and North Cork or also in the city centre. And I know in Limerick they're hopefully soon to open a big studio there, a big production studio. So there's a lot happening at the moment in the world of film for, for on-screen and TV. Yeah,
7: It's it's incredible really. It's it's quite, like we're 10 years doing this and things have improved so much in terms of opportunities and Cork has become a kind of a mecca for filmmaking really. Um, like, And you know the other option is for young people to get kind of build a network Um, it's all about who you work with and we've had so many professional filmmakers who come to talk to young people who are interested in this and they will all say you know the people you work with are really important this is what's going to make your future as a filmmaker so and the people you meet now are the people you go on and work with down the line they're the people you can call on to you know to do Mm. your editing to do your come and do your lighting sound and so on and that's really, really important, I think, as well. Um, and, and it shows the there's thing opportunities things, out there. Yeah. That, that's the big thing. There, there's opportunities really out there for the future. Yeah, that's true. They yeah. encourage each other, really, is is kind of what it's about, which is really important as well.
2: How do you get involved if you want to go along to one of these courses? Where are they? And indeed, okay. how can you get involved in this?
7: Well, there are two ways of doing it. I mean, actually, JP, we're down to Middleton is full um, and has a waiting list. But we're also in Bandon, McCroom and um, McCroom and Mallow. And there are a couple of places left in each one. So people would need to get in touch immediately by emailing corkyoungfilmmakers at gmail.com um, or calling this number 086 813 9019. And we'd be delighted to hear from them. We know they're out there. And it's really like looking for young people who are just passionate about this and we would love to give them a place, so...
2: It would be great to hear. Well, best of luck, Mary, with the course over the summer. I'm sure you'll get a lot of people interested in that in the growing area of filmmaking, especially here in the south anyway of Ireland. Thanks for joining us. That is Mary McGrath there, coordinator of Cork Young Filmmakers. If you want details on that as well, you'll get that on our website, c103.ie. I just want to give a mention to a number of things before we go to our movie review with Mark. First of all, uh, the West Cork fundraising community are holding a fundraising cycle that is on this coming Saturday to raise funds to purchase Agricultural machinery and tools for the mission of Clonakilty native Father John Kingston in Mozambique. The cycle leaves Clonakilty Showgrounds at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning, and there are two routes to choose from. Entries are 40 euros on the day, and if you want more information on the cycle, you just go along to this website, westcorkfundraisingcommunity.com dot com. So best of luck to all there in Clonakilty with that tomorrow and also on Sunday uh, the fundraiser going ahead in Star Trek's music venue that's on the Boherbui to Knocknagree Road uh, just off the malloch Road it's for the Kerry Cancer Support Group that's the Kerry Cork Health Link Bus fundraiser uh, dancing there on Sundays from 2.30 to 5.30 with Southern Pride and also Ger Healy uh, that's on this coming Sunday at Star Trek's music venue and can we wish everybody in Mill Street Vintage Club the best of luck with their summer run and barbecue and they children's ambulance service that's taking place tomorrow evening also starting in Corkery's Bar in Mill Street from 5.30 they take off at 6.45 and then they'll finish up at Bob's Bar in Bally Desmond where there's a barbecue and live music and hi to Trish on text who says there's a coffee morning on Sunday at Cafe Aroma in Mill Street and that's an aid of Mill Street Hospital and Cope Mallow and thank you for your text and if you can help out with this one it's a young bull that's either been lost or stolen in the Area of Arkahan in North Dunmanway. Gardee have been informed. If you have any information, you can contact us and we'll pass on details to the owner. Our lines are open 1850 333 103. We're going to the movies with Mark next. C103.
0: Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment
2: 086 103, 103. And it's time to go to the movies. Mark Malone for our usual movie review on our Friday afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, John And you went to see along to go and see the new Men in Black International. National. Just let's have a trailer first on this one. We are a rumor, recognizable only as deja vu and dismissed just as quickly.
4: I want in.
0: Hey! Welcome to M-I-B. MIB. You've got some big shoes to fill. You will be with HMH. Come on. The world's not going to save itself. See, we protect the Earth from the scum of the universe. I felt good. Do we have a plan? I can't believe that actually
2: works Just try Men in Black Okay well I think of Men in Black Mark We initially think of Will Smith But he doesn't feature in this one
1: uh, no, he doesn't. And uh, there was talk about him maybe doing so, uh, but that wasn't the case. Both himself and Tommy Lee Jones. I think they were offered uh, the parts, but they both decided not to do it. Of course, Tommy Lee Jones in the previous film, Men in Black 3, uh, his part was uh, taken by Josh Brolin in that film. And three was okay. The thing about the Men in Black films, I mean, this is the fourth. <laughs> when I was talking to you yesterday, I'd forgotten there was uh, already three. And you asked me, what is a movie you're going to review? I said, Men in Black 3, because I'd forgotten there was another one. Um, and the thing about the Men in Black films is that the first one I really liked, the second one was terrible. The third one, as I said, with Josh Brolin, was okay. So it was kind of surprising that they decided to make one uh, another one. But I do get the impression that it was made pretty quickly. And, you know, because it's rather disappointing. It's not as bad as some of the critics have said it is. I mean, some of the critics have said this is terrible. It's not terrible. It's okay. It's a bit bland, and I think that's the problem. But you do get the impression that it was done rather quickly. Whereas if we talk about um, How to Train Your Dragon, we we'll talk about how, obviously, they spent time over that film as they tended to Uh, with animated films and here it does seem that it was all really really done rather quickly the really surprising thing about it is that I I thought it was a joke at first but it was meant originally it was going to be a crossover with Jump Street
2: do you know the Jump Street movies yeah Uh, They were going to cross over with with that? How is that going to work?
1: Well, the the writer of Jump Street wrote this and initially, you know, Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill who were in the Jump Street movies, which were very good, obviously he had come up with the idea and he said, well, why don't we do this crossover with Jump Street and Men in Black? It never happened. Uh, which initially I thought was a joke and initially I said well that would have been a ridiculous idea having seen this film (laughs) I was kind of thinking maybe it would have been a better idea (laughs) maybe that would have worked better but uh, well you know we don't know because it was never made Uh, this is the first uh, Men in Black film not to be directed by Barry Sonnenfeld this is directed by F. Gary Gray now he directed films like The Fake and the Furious and Straight Out of Compton and a lot of the blame has actually been put on him as to to this lack of success of the film but I don't think it's his fault I think it's all really, really down to the writing, because it's not exciting enough, and it's not funny enough. I mean, there are funny, funny moments. There are, of course, there has to be, and there will be. And there will be exciting moments. The problem is, of course, is that there's just simply not enough about of them. So in the film, we meet Tessa Thompson, and Tessa Thompson, as a young girl, comes into contact with the men in black, but they don't realize that she's there. So she realizes that this secret organization, which protects the Earth from alien invasion, exists. So she kind of breaks herself into the organization, comes in contact with Emma Thompson and she says look I want to be a man in black Uh, Emma Thompson says look it doesn't really work that way you know we choose people you can't decide for yourself and then there's a kind of a running joke where Tessa Thompson says uh, men in black and uh, Emma Thompson says yeah, there's an issue there. We need to talk about that. But from then on, she becomes an agent and meets up with Chris Hemsworth, who is Agent H. And he's a kind of a bit of a doofus, but they're teamed up uh, because uh, Earth is being attacked by these two extraordinary... Now, I have to say, this is one of the really, really positives in the movie. Um, these two aliens, which in the movie are called Alien Twin 1 and Alien Twin 2, are actually played by twins. Twins, uh, Laurent Bourgeois and Larry Bourgeois. And they're kind of French, kind of hip-hop, kind of break dancers, And uh, they've got these kind of lasers for eyes and they are very very good and whenever they're on screen it does get really really exciting unfortunately uh, there's not enough excitement in the film as I say some of the CGI isn't really very good and it's almost like they at some stage didn't really trust it enough to be able to throw kind of uh, as much money as this film needs now it does it's called international it does uh, go you know there are scenes filmed in Italy they go to North Africa they go to London and so You know, from that sense, it was really, really good so that they didn't just make it in a kind of a big, you know, green... You know CGI box. They did travel, and, and the film looks great uh, on occasions. Uh, there is terrific chemistry between the two leads. I mean, Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson are very very good here, and they also were in the um, the Thor movie uh, together. And in fact, there's a there's one very good joke where there's kind of a reference to Thor in this film. So I'll, I'll say to Thor film uh, fans, keep an eye out for that because that's very funny. Unfortunately, as I say, it's not exciting enough and it's not funny enough to be a huge success, and it has been a disappointment at the box office whether or not it'll make money for yet another sequel I don't know
2: That's a pity because like so many people I think they've been in black movies always went down well over the last number of years it's a pity it's gone this way Chris Hemsworth how, how did he play the role because as I said people are used to Will Smith over the last number of years how is, Chris, how is Chris's role and his acting in this?
1: Well, Chris Hemsworth is not only just a very good-looking man, he's a very, very good actor, and he's a very, very good comic actor, you know? And uh, we saw that in the Ghostbusters, the female Ghostbusters. He was terrific in that. He was also terrific as Thor, especially in the last film, where he's, his Thor became a very kind of comedic character. So he could do both. He could do everything. He's a very fine actor, and he and Tess Thompson work very, very well here. So hopefully, you know, somebody might think, okay, let's make another one, let's get the two of them back together again, but just let's make a better film, and that would be nice.
2: Okay, so out of 10? You know, I was entertained
1: by it, though. Let me make quite quite clear. I don't think it's as bad as people said it was. The teenager I watched with it also liked it very much. I still give it a six. I still, I was oh, still entertained okay. by it.
2: Okay, six out of ten from Men in Black International, and then on streaming and DVD, you went and got How to Train Your Dragon: The Hidden World. What's this one about?
1: Okay, this is the third one uh, in this series, and again, I suppose you might think by now that uh, you will get a bit bored and that you don't particularly want to watch any more of these anymore. But they have been hugely successful. In fact, considering this is again is in the third of the series, um, you might think that you know people are being kind of drained by it somewhat. But that's not the case. I mean, the film has been a huge success. It had a budget of 129 million, it's taken a worldwide gross of over 500 million and it's just keep on going because movies like this are are hugely popular and in fact the first film I remember was uh, my daughter's favourite film and it still is I think her favourite film of all time, she must have watched that a thousand times, knew the film inside out and uh, I brought it to her uh, to the cinema with her when she was a little girl and she just thought it was just the best thing she'd ever seen and I was very very impressed by uh, the movie and I've been very impressed by all three of them Um, and I thought too that I when it came to this one that I would be bored by it by now. But in fact uh, that's not the case at all. I mean these films are extraordinarily beautiful and my thing is and my argument is with the previous film is that it seemed to be done really really quickly. Here they obviously spend time and I was reading an interview with uh, Tom Hanks who recently said that, um, you know, um, the fourth Toy Story is now in the cinemas. But he started the voiceover for that three and a half years ago. And that's how much time they take over these movies. And you have to. And it's almost like they just look at every blade of grass, you know, every single scale on, 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 on the creature's backs are all just beautifully done. There are a lot of nighttime scenes in this, which be very difficult to animate, but they do so because they get the shading right, they get the lighting right, and everything about it is just extraordinary and it's really, really entertaining, and it's still really, really funny. And I'm surprised by that, because when I thought by the time I came to the third one that I wouldn't be entertained by it, but I I certainly was. So it does carry on from the last film, Hiccup, uh, who is voiced by Jay Baruchel, he's kind of a He's kind of more of kind of a heroic character in this. He's still trying to save the dragons. And basically what he does, is he saves the dragons and then brings him to his hometown. But the problem is that there are so many dragons out that are actually tearing the, 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 his hometown apart. And he realizes that uh, he's got to do something. He's got to kind of bring them somewhere, which is safe. Uh, because F. Murray Abraham is playing the, the voice of Grimmel. And Grimmel is this nasty piece of work who just basically wants to own and capture and kidnap and control all of the dragons. So not only does he have to find somewhere safe for the dragons he's got to try and get them away from this character from, from Grimmel and there's a lovely kind of flashback scene where H- Hiccup is uh, talking to his father and his father mentions this hidden world this kind of secret dragon utopia which does exist out there so he has then got to try and find this utopia to be able to bring all of the dragons there to keep them safe in the meantime as well of course um, in the film his um, his dragon um, friend in the film called Toothless who's this kind of night fury who's this kind of very very feared dragon um, it's that that's the only one that's left of the world but in fact there is another Night Fury and it's a female and so of course you know um he is desperate to kind of team up with this um, uh, female whilst at the same time Jay Baruchel as is, is, is Hiccup becomes quite jealous of that relationship
2: okay, and as I've got the news of one Mark uh, <laughs> out, of, out of ten how would you look
1: this is fabulous it's wonderful it's beautiful to look at and it's very very entertaining bring the kids uh, well it's out on TV you know sit down watch it adults will love it kids will love it and I'll give it nine
2: very good Mark Malone thank you for that Nick Richards is next he's turning up the field good Yeah, Nick is turning up the feel-good next with those feel-good tunes. Martina will do that and continue with From 4. My thanks to Bernie Murphy, who produced. I'm John Paul McNamara. Patricia Messenger back with you.